India Charts the truth about the markets India Charts publishes Nifty Daily daily video updates the weekly Elliott Wave outlook and the long shot report covering all asset classes Hi everyone this is the 30th of January 2021 we've just closed for the week and the month yesterday and it won't be too short to say that it's been a completely bizarre two weeks although if you just look at prices this may look simply like a routine correction that has happened not just in india but in us markets as well but if you go by the news flow and the sentiment it's completely bizarre we have the union budget 2021 coming up on monday and i don't remember another period where the markets have fallen 6 days consistently prior to the union budget and closed down for the two weeks prior to it it's extremely rare you you might just find one or two other such occasions most of the time the markets either consolidate ahead of the budget or even when they've topped out they're probably rolling over i do remember 2001 march which is halfway through the y2k bear market where indices did start selling off ahead because they peaked out early and so they were falling and the market did exactly the opposite which is when the budget was announced they found that well it was not all that negative and there were some probably good takeaways and then it spiked it spiked almost by 60 to it did a 78.6% retracement in the next two days uh, on budget day and the following day and then continued to sell off because well you were already in a bear market so that's the one uh, occasion that i have a clear memory of there's probably another one somewhere in 2006 or 7 which was not significant i mean it was falling that day budget happened fell again but it was very slow it was not something that was magnanimous to really talk about so more often than not markets have rallied into the budget and the only other time it's bottomed is like say 2016 but that was like at the end of a 9 month declining trend and so the last decline was going on and it fell right into budget day and bottomed there so that's a different situation here what we are looking at is a market that was actually in an uptrend from march to december in fact till early january and then started to gyrate both ways in fact it even made a higher high on the 21st of jan although it was that high was not confirmed by either the by the mid cap indices at least i think bank nifty did it mid cap indices did an intermarket divergence right there and then we sold off to the lows but if i talk of intermarket divergences i think yesterday was another day where bank nifty for the last two days was actually up even as the nifty was down for the last two days and so you have an intermarket divergence between the nifty and bank nifty and in fact even the mid cap index didn't make a lower low even though it held up throughout the day but at the end of the day did give up the gains and closed negative but not at a lower low so you still have a divergence between nifty and the other indices at the end of yesterday so what is going to happen tomorrow my sense my experience tells me that the markets always tend to do the opposite post budget than they do before but that's always been the case where you had prolonged uh, you know rallies or declines so if you had a multi month decline it would be a very easy call but then there's only a two week decline which is where it makes it slightly difficult except for looking at the technical setup you know so if i if i don't look at the technical setup yes then you you'd be scared what are they going to really do on monday that could you know market be preempting and is it going to really tank off from there even further and to think of that that at the end of a covid year i mean the only fear is that oh, there will be additional taxes which is completely bizarre again because if the market builds thoughts about additional taxes in a covid year where growth is still to bounce back then uh, you you'd probably say this is the most brain dead government or 
you know, finance minister sitting there that doesn't understand what the hell is really going on, which I completely doubt. So this is not, this is not the situation. So I doubt there'll be anything that bizarre that, you know, you, this is the right time to tax everybody or put wealth tax. I don't know how those rumors or thoughts built up, probably because the first time the government came in, they tried to do an HNI tax in the first budget that they presented in 2019. But that was probably the last of it. After that, every time they've tried to do some kind of reforms and spending, uh, the tax breaks came in September, which was, of course, the big surprise. And remember, even before that tax break, the market was falling for the last five days. However, the market was also falling for the last two, three months prior to that. So there again, it was a trend reversing after sentiment reached an extreme leg negative. The situation we have here, though, is that you've had a multi-month advance, but the sell-off has been there for the last six days prior to the budget. Now, I've seen a couple of consolidation phases. Say, I can go back to... Uh, 1997, I think, and uh, even 1998, uh, after the uh, Pokhran blast when the market started to improve, both of them before the budget market was consolidating for almost, you know, three to four weeks in a trading range, you know, and then it was at the bottom end of the range two, three days prior to the uh, budget. And then suddenly from there it took off, you know, so I wouldn't say suddenly because, you know, you reached the lower end of the range and then prices started to pick up. But the pickup had started at least two days prior to the budget. So you could get a sense that from the bottom end of the range, prices were again starting to move up, anticipating what might happen in the budget. But consolidating prior to it and being at the lower end of the range, eventually markets rallied. So those are the two situations here. We don't have a multi-week consolidation. I mean, only from the uh, 2nd of January, you can say if you uh, ignore the a new high on the 21st and then the because of the intermarket divergence you can say it's a two three week consolidation otherwise we've just had two down weeks from a weekly basis uh, you know closed down for mid caps it was three weeks of downward closing on the mid cap index and from there we are into the budget so then also there's been some sense of negativity prior to the event and usually if the event doesn't have anything negative even if uh, it ends up being, you know, uh, there's nothing bad in the budget, the markets can actually rally from that extreme sentiment point. So yesterday's close, I think, carries extreme negative sentiment. Uh, so bad that the market every time uh, Reliance stock falls, starts rumoring probably sickness for uh, uh, Mukesh Ambani. And, you know, uh, in fact, the rumors in October were as far as saying that he's, you know, uh, maybe no more. And you know, that, that was how bad it was. After all the good news, Suddenly, they were putting him to an end because the stock fell from 2000 something to almost just below the 2000 mark. That's again something I started to hear yesterday, which really surprised me. Uh, even if there's some truth to maybe some illness or something, but uh, it's probably getting exaggerated in the markets, unless I really don't know the truth. Because by October, November, when markets were doing well, you actually had a video of his floating around where he was giving a speech somewhere and they are saying, oh, well, he seems to be okay. Uh, rumors apart and news apart, what I'm trying to sense is sentiment being an extreme and I don't really measure that based on news and rumors. I look at things like the put call ratio and last week we had the highest call writing, uh, which essentially is the PCR itself because after all put open interest divided by call open interest is PCR. And if the PCR keeps falling, it gets more and more oversold. And the last few times I'd put out a note or an article showing that, you know, almost over 30,000 crores, the market would bottom out, which is what happened on the 17th of January as well. But this time around, uh, that didn't work and it actually continued to decline. So I was caught off guard because, well, something worked three, four times. I thought you will not fall below 14,200 as a worst case scenario, but you did. And from there, we've lost another 700 points. 
But what that did is it's pushed the put call ratio to even the even an extreme. So I look at a 10 day PCR and that's reached the lowest levels in September or March. All of those major bottoms, we've actually seen the PCR down there. And that's where we are on an average basis. Uh, because you had like the, you had a record. So 67,300, if I'm not wrong, uh, wrong about the number, 67,300 crores worth of calls more than puts net were open on Thursday prior to expiry. So that's what had happened till Wednesday is closed. That so much had already been sold and continued to fall in expiry. So I'm sure it was a be even bigger number. And of course, all of that would have gone to zero. But that's the degree of which option writers were able to sell calls and unwind. Now, one of the reasons when, when this uh, game goes on is that, you know, call writers also hedging. So you have stock underlying the options. And if you're squaring up at expiry and if there's not enough buying demand, especially ahead of an event, then that selling of stock didn't get absorbed and pushed prices down further. Now, that's one way of giving an example to what happened. But we've also seen a lot of FIR selling in the last one week. So uh, and they've been reducing their futures position in the index futures as well. Very similar to what they did a year back. And so is this uh, exactly what happened a year back? Because a year back, 2020, the market fell from December 20th. Uh, it fell uh, ahead of the budget, not as much as it has done this time, and then fell on budget day because the market was not happy, then rallied back, and then you had the pandemic and big crash. So are you really at the end of a fifth wave? So when I wrote the long short report in, uh, in the start of Jan, I had highlighted that, you know, if we count this market as a five wave move, which was the first thing I was trying to do, uh, then definitely it would look like ending the fifth somewhere within four weeks from the where the rally, rally started in December, if the fifth and first wave are equal in size and time. So we had the size target closer to 14, uh, you know, 200, which was crossed. And then you had the time target, which was four weeks all the way into the end of the month. And I thought top end of the channel, 14,700. So I had all the levels there and the time there. The only thing is I didn't believe that this is a five wave move, even though that could be one of the uh, good wave counts uh, for the entire move because I also match it up with cycles. I also look at the medium to long term sentiment. So while you had some sentiment extremes on the upside, uh, you know, and you had some loss of momentum, even in some sectors, completing stocks, completing five waves. What was not convincing is when I look at the big picture uh, from a cross asset class perspective as well, that there were because the entire rise has so many subdivisions, you know, that it can be even marked in two, three different ways. And so I had discussed all the alternates and I actually thought maybe some of the other alternates play out because individual sectors have still not completed five waves, even though we can force fit that into the nifty. Also looking at what I look at as momentum cycles, that doesn't count as five waves. So there were reason to believe looking at many other things that the move from March to the giant top was not five waves and therefore the correction might just be routine rather than of a larger degree, which is one of the reasons, despite writing about the uh, potential top by the 22nd of Jan, in my report, I didn't really uh, go aggressive on this one this time. Uh, but we've fallen more than a thousand points and I still think we are oversold. So I'll be watching the next bounce. My sense is you bounce from here, you do a significant retracement. And then if we, we don't continue to make higher highs, I'll consider the deeper retracement case. Otherwise, if we do somehow manage to, you know, start a fresh trend and make high rise and it doesn't, you know, falter at key retracement levels, I would like to think that we are at the start of another rally that might last for several months to come once again. And this despite the arguments we can have about valuations and so on, because the macro driver for me uh, since April has been uh, measuring uh, the change in 
the largest you know driver of uh, markets which is uh, the currency markets and that's the dollar uh, and by that I'm, i didn't want to use the word liquidity because the dollar while it may reflect movement of liquidity it's not always about quantity though we have quantity coming from every country not just from central banks but new fiscal policies that are being announced and i think in india's case that was one of the biggest negative that we've not announced yet but that was the driver and we are looking at flows essentially moving from you know one set of asset classes to the others which is from equities to commodities to emerging markets right that's been the big theme and that theme really does not look at it like it's ended in fact i would think that that theme is likely to continue and uh, so my view of course has been that the dollar index will not go or i would not be concerned if it unless it goes maybe above 91 for a short term spike still the markets have seen seen some de-risking and the dxy is still below 91 so it's really not been able to surpass that despite calls that we may be bottoming out so as soon as the trend down resumes i think people will catch on to what is happening on the dollar right now it's flat we also seeing bond yields rise in the us marginally uh, though in our, our own bond markets have been pretty much flat in fact the thing i would look for our own bond markets is more a case for when do yields start falling again i don't know when that happens uh, till inflation really comes under control because that's when rbi would be in a position to cut rates again and that would then give room to the government to spend more so that has been the pending thing i think it's possible given the uh, winter is here the ag- agri produce will keep coming in and driving down uh, near term food prices at least and that would uh, probably help in fact there was talk in the economic survey of actually redoing the uh, model for uh, you know price measurement uh, so that it better measures the way consumer spending happens today relative to you know giving too much weight to food and fuel which is essentially going to towards slowly towards core inflation but uh, that's what you really want to watch that is food and you know key del- uh, items that will help you bring down interest rates which would be another trigger but us yields uh, look like they are rising but they are not rising to and unlikely to rise to levels where they create a catastrophe i think people start re- reading the day to day 10 basis pip movements in us yields like big but it's really very very small given how much yields actually went down if you look at a chart 2 3 year time frame you'll see very small moves and those small advances in yields are normal part of uh, you know free market trading although you may say it's not free but i mean in a range i mean even though the fed is keeping rates down and buying bonds to the extent of 190 billion per month that's what they've announced in and reiterated in their in the fed meet which was also there on thursday this uh, week is that they're continuing to do those purchases and will continue to do it uh, no sign for them to really stop anytime soon is what they have said so that liquidity remains and so Uh, their bond market yields when they rise they're just part of the market trading and actually it's part of what we call the risk on risk off trade right when uh, you allocate more money from equities to bonds and bonds to equities you always find that bond markets and equity uh, markets are inversely correlated especially in the us the cor- uh, inverse correlation is very high so which means that if equity prices are going up and bond prices are going down that bond yields are actually rising so rising bond yields then actually give a positive bullish trigger to equities especially the banking sector you'll find when yields rise the us banks actually start doing well and for that you can actually track the dow jones uh, bank index uh, you know which is the code of dj us bk you can actually track that and you will find it pretty surprising how that correlates and so here we are looking at uh, risk on trade still going on that trend has not broken 
even though yields pulled back this week so the correction got yields to pull back but yields are back at the trend line support and should start rising again and we saw a bump up yesterday the other bump up which happened yesterday in us markets was the vix really rose uh, over the last two days uh, the highest i think the third highest jump in uh, one day jump in vix happened i think on thursday when it went to almost 35% from 20 something so that was a insane jump we have not really seen it so market started pricing in much more fear than has actually happened so prices are not crashed as much as the vix has jumped which is again a mispricing and the reason it happened is everybody probably jumped onto the idea that uh, the gme short squeeze which is the big news going around which is gamestop the company its stock getting short squeezed driving up its stock you know like crazily it, it was in a couple of dollars i think at the start of the month maybe 3 dollars now it touched 600 intraday till they actually put uh, circuits and you know actually margins they put margins on traders at uh, robin hood and uh, that's going into cases but uh, what i hear and what i and i shared this video i think in the morning on social media and Uh, it very clearly explains and what i would uh, think is that well melvin capital which was one of the biggest uh, ones on the short side of that trade whatever they lost has been funded or they've been bailed out of sorts with uh, citadel which is also the biggest uh, firm through which all the trades from robin hood go ending up bailing out uh, melvin capital and you know maybe taking a stake in that company and if th- all that is true then at least that part of the problem is behind us where you know somebody got a uh, spooked lost money and had to pay up by selling stock which was the big fear around us markets that you know uh, the losses from these short squeezes will cause selling in other stocks because people have to pay for those losses in the first time i'm hearing of it to be of this magnitude because short sells usually drive up stocks market continues to rise is what i understand but short sells drives up drives up a stock and causes everything else to crash was the most unique feature of what i think i heard for the f- i don't know maybe the first time in my memory Uh, and uh, then if that's driving fears that oh there are going to be more short squeezes and other stocks that have high short interest because retail investors will go and try to spike up everything uh, and it may not necessarily happen that way but we are seeing some jumps in individual stocks with high short interest but is that going to lead to you know more selling because losses happen there to hedge funds it's it's a uh, it's some of it is imagination i think uh, some of it is true what happened is true but to expect that the same pattern will repeat over and over everywhere may 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 be driving it a little too far uh, but at the same time if somebody is on the wrong side of the trade he gets punished he should he should have to pay for it the tricky part here is i don't know how much of it is conspiracy because if there is a company which is citadel which is actually taking advantage of the whole situation then could they really get into trouble with the sec in terms of you know having created the situation themselves i wonder there if there will be an invest investigation or not and on the other hand whether that was a means of trying to stop the losses from getting even bigger for the hedge funds but if you have gone from 3 dollars to you know 600 dollars i think you've already blown up so much that there's nothing left to save there so i don't know really why this whole issue came up of you know putting margins and stopping people from trade because of those losses unless somebody kept shorting at higher and higher levels endlessly so yeah that's the game that has happened Uh, but those fears if if the bailouts are done if the stake sales have happened which which uh, you know has been discussed in that video then i would sense that most of the selling or uh, loss booking from the event is already behind us with yesterday's vix spike other markets actually 
are showing optimism, which is if you look at bond yields, they moved up. If you look at the DXY, it moved down. You saw gold and silver rise. And there was some stability in the commodity market. Still, equities really sold off sharply. Otherwise, you actually had copper move up more than a percent at one point of time. So other markets uh, look more stable than equities themselves. I think that's the trouble spot. And unless the trouble really spreads from equities to other things, you do not get a dollar spike. That's my overall conclusion. And so the dollar was looking weak, may just consolidate in this range below 91 for a while longer if it's forming a triangle. Otherwise, it could be complete and could also be starting the next leg lower. And that could mean uh, another bear leg for the dollar and uh, much more bullishness for equities emerging markets and commodities all over again. So the whole cycle would repeat and uh, in between all you ended up getting is a decent pullback in even US indices because they've gone back to the previous swing low from where they uh, rallied some of them. For example, the uh, Russell 2000 or the transports, I think I saw the NYA, which is the NYSE composite, all went back to the lows that they probably made in December and had popped up from. Uh, which is fine. So they've retested the previous low. In our case also, the bank Nifty has almost gone back to that previous low. Uh, and uh, Nifty, of course, not back at 13200, which some people thought and I wrote also that it was possible. And we'll consider it only if things turn out really badly on Monday or if a bounce fails. Otherwise, my primary expectation would be that uh, this is probably done because we've touched the trend line from, say, the uh, September low. If you draw a rising trend line, then you've touched that on uh, yesterday. You've got the put call ratio 10 day, like I said, going back to where it was two months ago. So the PSC, PCR has dropped. So all of these uh, extremes on the lower side now telling me that uh, and my own swing indicator, which I publish in my Nifty Daily report down to almost three on the average, which is the lowest since March of 2020. That's the last time we had a reading of three. So that's how extremely fast stocks have fallen across the board in a six day time frame. And which leads me to believe that this is an extremely oversold reading from where markets have to bounce, if for no other reason, simply because there's nothing negative in the budget. If there's positive, even better. So that's where I think we stand. Uh, and in fact, talking of short squeezes, uh, you know, sometime back, I actually wrote and I was discussing because there have been some tweets by my you know, friend uh, Palaksha and we, we've been writing about, you know, what if GME happens to PSU stocks? And for the last few months, as the PSU rally started initially, and many of the metal stocks have noted from time to time that they actually end up in the ban list. And this is actually when trends, uh, trends are rising. So when stocks used to end up in the ban list during a bear market, then they would continue to fall because it's like traders are stuck. But here you have a market which is trying to rise. And every time it gets stuck in the ban list and, the, and then the stock goes sideways, very few times it's rising. In fact, more recently, we finally started to see uh, stocks uh, actually rise after going into the ban list. Now, what do you mean by ban list is you can't buy any more options. Mm -hmm. But it also means that your options, open interest, of course, along with futures, but options play a large ro role there as people are trading significantly in options. And yeah, that's the other data point which happened is that the total options OI, apart from just the call minus put thing, the total options OI reached an all-time record also. So almost 2,38,000 crores uh, somewhere in the mid of Jan was the highest call open interest total value index plus stock uh, ever in the history of markets. But that doesn't really mean uh, because anything because uh, this, this data has been rising perpetually since 2002. You know, so it has a spike, then it stays at an elevated level, then has a spike. After the 2008 crisis, when we rose in 2010, again, it went up to a new high. It would have looked like, oh, this is bubbly, but it stayed in that range for the last, uh, you know, many years. 
and now again you've continued to a new high as the markets have continued higher so it's more a reflection of the market going to a higher high you can't look at the data and say that this is a peak uh, but that another data point which i shared i think uh, in the last few days which was the futures open interest total which is again index plus stock I always look at macro data rather than only look at index and then i divide it by the index itself to see that on a relative basis are we really hitting uh, a high and we are now we are far from it so in the futures market uh, bullish sentiment is not reflected to the same degree if i compare it in value terms to the index movement itself we are far far behind so people have not gone that far leveraged long in futures uh in the futures market as they have done at previous market tops which is 2018 where the mid caps peaked the last time we haven't reached that degree yet and so from that point of view sentiment is far far behind so yes many people may be bullish everybody is participating nsdl accounts open to record but futures open interest is not a record mutual fund flows are not they were negative in the month uh, in the previous months and so all these data points don't really add up to an extreme sentiment point where you say major top has happened the only thing is you reached an overbought condition and you got a technical correction now can it be a deeper one uh, even being a technical correction is something we'll have to figure out by the actual market movement next week i don't think i have the answer right now uh, because again like i'm saying i'm not taking it as the fifth wave ending though that's a possible alternate if that one is proven true then we probably don't make a higher high we make a lower high and then head lower again uh, but i am trying to uh, you know weigh other alternate wave counts uh, that can you know after every correction allow you to have extensions and if that alternate is true then uh, probably we have a very different outcome ahead of us uh, but going back what i was trying to highlight is why can't we have short squeezes in uh, stocks where heavy open interest happened in fact last week it happened in nalco again both a psu and a metal stock and uh, the stock actually bumped up instead of going down uh, for the first time in many of these instances that we have seen in individual stocks where high open interest has been showing up it was happening in steel authority last month for example and before this take sale happened but what we haven't really seen is at the end of the month which is where the options have to go into delivery we haven't seen a short squeeze because say for example somebody really wanted to corner these stocks as a long term investment rather than buy all the quantity from the market you could buy a lot of call options and then exercise them and bank people who would be trying to sell on the other side would have to deliver either they would have delivery from a large investor if they are really related to an investment group or probably the owners of the company themselves are you know hedging or you know getting yield from the market by selling call options uh, they would be forced to deliver that stock and unfortunately then maybe cover it back or the writers would who would have borrowed from them would have to cover it back and return the stock which would then create that short squeeze environment uh, if uh, the buyers were genuine and exercise their call options for delivery because the sizable amount of calls that are open can create that kind of a short term effect but we haven't seen anything of that nature here yet and that's the only way we could have shorts here uh, except in maybe the futures market but futures is all, always long minus short so it's always an even game it's the options market where this can really go uh, more out of hand where you also now have delivery settlement but yeah we haven't seen that yet uh, so will we have those kind of things here god knows but one thing that you can have is the government speeding up on its psu divestment plan because it announced that as a major reform in uh, may of this year when when in the midst of the pandemic the two big things were one was the farm thing which is still being fought which is a very major reform good for small farmers uh, but as i heard and if i am not wrong being uh, aggravately fought back by the large farmers who actually 
don't gain from what is beneficial to the smaller farmers if i'm right correct me and uh, so that's a fight they are still having and that's where if the government goes ahead with psu divestment then will you really get fight back from say unions and all stepping in and saying hey why are you selling all our companies although divestment has been one of the very very old reforms on our books ever since manmohan singh first introduced the idea and uh, we've not really been able to move ahead on it big time in fact some of the large divestments were actually done under bjp only under vajpayee in 2000, in 1999 the big thing against them as well those few few sales actually one went to reliance one went to ipcl went to reliance uh, and the other one vsnl went to tatas and so whether it's just a sell but then to big companies so you can actually you know blame them but the fact is who's going to buy these big companies i mean you're talking about steel authority if you want to sell it to someone it's worth you know tens of thousands of crores you're not going to get small buyers you're going to get big buyers then the only fight is price so getting a fair price if you can make the fair pricing lucrative you know add something to it maybe like a tax break you can probably get more bidders and a better pricing uh, but getting on to that plan having a margaret thatcher moment as they would call it when they really got rid of all the public sector companies in the uk uh, many couple of decades ago and since then we've been hoping for that moment in india the announcements made in may by the finance minister in li- in light of uh, you know the post pandemic measures was actually a big big reform because you, you they literally said that they would they wanted to allow private sector into the public sector areas which were not permitted sell off non strategic assets and that entire pl- game plan which they've said we haven't seen the second wave of it i mean apart from the announcement and i think it's about time they do something because they need the money if they got to really spend more uh in line with what the economic survey is really saying and and also in line with what many were expecting post pandemic that they would spend more and i said in june july that probably the only reason they are not spending is that they want to have impact what's the point of spending money in a lockdown when it, the money is not going to flow through the system but now that you're going post lockdown uh, vaccinations are out trains local trains in mumbai are starting from monday then uh, isn't it time that you actually start doing that second wave of economic stimulus which actually involves serious spending from the government side rather than simply lending money through institutions and if they want to get onto that path then they also going to need funding on the other side which can partly be done with lower interest rates but given our inflation will always be elevated it will have to be supplemented by asset sales and especially uh, the sale of public sector units which uh, are a lot of assets some of them even loss making if not profitable at least get rid of the bad stuff then if you don't want, if you're still hanging on to the good stuff and clean up your books because that will then provide you some capital to spend and stimulate the economy so that's the uh, big thing that i would expect uh, in terms of you know how they go about doing that and if they can get onto a fast track plan on execution on that side then i think we are done as far as uh, Uh, stimulating growth to higher levels than the 11% they're projecting from next year which is only a base effect because if you drop 8% this year and grow 11% next year it's only just getting back to normal uh, what you really want is how do you get back to 6% or 7% plus growth rates for india in, in fact you would say for india to really stand strong you want 8% plus growth rates and to get there you got to be doing much more so that's what we look for tomorrow uh, do we get a lot more uh, we've reached the low end of extreme even if you get nothing then it's good and if you get something it's better is how i'll position ahead of the budget as well thank you nothing in this podcast is investment advice views on financial markets are in good faith to expand your understanding of how markets work 
please consult a registered financial advisor for the same and yes please share this podcast with everyone you think can benefit from this knowledge Thank you.